Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, uh. brunning, bruning. Pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought. Here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all. So don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa! Fantasy roundtable. Fantasy, fantasy roundtable. Yeah. Fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy roundtable. Fantasy, fantasy roundtable. Fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Fantasy, I always mess it up. Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. I always say want to say it opposite when I see the words on the screen there. It is Monday, and as you know, Matt is here with me as usual. We will be talking some rookie profiles, continuing with the quarterbacks. We'll continue our NFL mock draft that got completely blown up, I believe, on Friday with the massive trade by the 49ers and the Dolphins, uh, which then also led to the Miami Dolphins making a trade with the Eagles. This led to a ton of speculation, which we will all get into here in a little bit. We will also talk some tight ends, as there's really only three uh, in this year's class that I think are really good, with one that I think is a very interesting sleeper. So, Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Monday? Doing pretty good. It's uh, actually 70-something degrees today. Uh, it's supposed to be 35 tomorrow, but then uh, hopefully right back up into nice weather conditions. But, uh, you know, it's a little windy, but happy to see the sunshine. I'm right there with you, and I guess I forgot to plug probably the most important part, at least for us, is recapping Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I forgot all about that. That will be at the end of the episode. So very, very interesting episode on Friday. So let's start with the news. Uh, we talked about this last Thursday. It feels like some of this is just going to continue to trickle on as we get closer to the NFL draft. We had three more signings of note this past weekend. Sammy Watkins, one-year, $5 million deal to the Ravens. Seems like a... All the other wide receivers that had offers from Baltimore said, yeah, nope, I'm going to go somewhere else. Sammy Watkins didn't seem to get many other offers. Goes to Baltimore, does absolutely nothing for me. But, Matt, what are your thoughts on this uh, this new free agent signing? Yeah, it doesn't really move the needle for me in terms of fantasy. I think Marquise Brown is still, uh, you know, of the guys they currently have, the one that I would want to own. But he's a – He's a probably a low end wide receiver three for me right now. I think the bigger challenge is they've got to be a team that's looking at getting somebody in the draft. They I made overtures so. to a bunch of receivers, uh, kind of got rebuffed. Uh, the rookies can't rebuff you when you take them in the draft unless they just yep. decide they don't want to play professional football. So that's probably the bigger challenge. Watkins has had some some decent moments. He he had better career numbers than. Um, you know, I had initially thought of when I was looking at it, but the last few years, he's kind of just been okay. in what you figure was a much better, more high volume pass offense. Uh, be curious to see how they use him. You know, at best case 
they let Willie Sneed go? Is he like filling in for Willie Sneed? Is he filling in? Uh, you know, is he taking all our hopes and dreams for Miles Boykin? Um, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed. Well, it's interesting. He mentioned his rookie season, and I think people do forget how good he was early on in his career. Like when he was with Buffalo, he was actually putting up decent seasons. He had some injuries in there as well that kind of hurt him from really having those massive breakout years, but he was very good. And speaking of his rookie season, I believe he's being paired back up with Greg Roman. I know Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator for at least a little bit in Buffalo. I'd imagine it was his rookie year as well. So maybe that helps him out in some way. You know, you mentioned all the the other wide receivers rebuffing the Baltimore Ravens there, and I think some of that just goes to – I think they think the same thing we do. Are they going to be able to get the ball that much from their quarterback, which I find very interesting. Now, nobody's actually come out and said that, so we don't know if that's the actual reason, but – I feel like if you read the tea leaves, that's exactly why these wide receivers aren't going there. So definitely at least an interesting signing for them gives them another wide receiver outside of, of Hollywood Brown. But I think really him going there just continues to solidify that Mark Andrews is the best wide receiver on the roster and he's not even playing that position. Next up, Matt Breed assigns a one-year deal with the Bills. I actually think this is a tad bit interesting. While I'm not a big fan of Breida, I do think he brings them something completely different than the other two. And he's got burst. He's got a little bit of speed and he's a very good receiving back. Now I know Singletary and Moss can't catch the ball, but I would think it's fair to say Brita is the best out of those three. Yet he goes into what is likely going to be considered. I would say foreheaded monster with the way that Josh Allen runs at times and they tend to use him down at the goal line. So what kind of fantasy value do you foresee with Matt Brita in 2021? Yeah, that's the thing. Josh Allen, 25 rushing TDs in three seasons. So you have to always, I think that caps the ceiling for any of them. To me, Brita going there kind of just muddles the value of the running backs in general. Uh, Devin Singletary was a guy I know both you and I liked, thought might take a step up. He actually played 16 games, started 16 games, and had a worse season than the year prior when he was playing with Gore. Ended up as running back 31. Moss, who missed three games, ended up as running back 46. We've seen Breida, if he's given a chance, thrive in 2018 with the Niners. He had 814 rushing yards, actually finished his running back 26. I think there is a chance one of these guys ends up as an RB3, and then the other ones are like RB4 or 5. One of them you know, may get shuffled out of the mix entirely. I'm also not ruling out Buffalo going and taking another running back. I think that was a position – we thought we want they were going to want to improve upon because they didn't like what they were getting in terms of production. They were linked to trying to get one of these bigger running backs, didn't really materialize. Um, Brita, kind of like Tevin Coleman, went to a spot where you thought it was going to be good and all but disappeared. You know, when he got traded to Miami, I thought, well, this is his chance. There was no competition in front of him. And even though he was available and played 12 or 13 games last year, only got 254 yards, is that a reflection of they they found better people they liked better? Did he not fit there? What are the chances he fits in Buffalo? If I had to bet on one, I'm still I'm still putting Moss as the highest for me right now. Um, but I don't feel good about any of them. Yeah, I'd be surprised if any of them finishes an RB too. I think the way that they're all going to probably cannibalize each other. Like you give, 
I would give Breida like maybe a little bit of a, of a leg up just because he has a receiving ability, but we still, and maybe it was just because of the way Singletary Moss were, but we didn't see Allen check down that much on the running back to begin with. It was mostly going to Cole Beasley, which I think led to Cole Beasley having the year he had. So I'd be curious to see if any of them really do that well. And it's hard to lean on Breida because of how many injuries he's dealt with throughout his last couple of years as well. So well, and you're talking about even Singletary. I want. To, are they, I just, I just don't know. Are they passing to running backs when they they already had three receivers we like, and they added yeah. Emmanuel Sanders? Dawson Knox is there, and I'm trying to think who is the other tight end. Isaiah Hodgins is really good. That's there. Isaiah, Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins. They added another tight end that I'm blanking on right now. That was somebody. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was Hollister, Jacob Hollister. Yeah. So. Yeah. From a passing standpoint, I I don't think you're counting on a lot of passing work for these running backs, and there's a decent chance Josh Allen has not had less than eight rushing touchdowns any of his three years playing. Even if he scales back, back to seven or six, that's a, a brutal loss of points for for running backs. So, you know, all combined, they might end up running for the three of them might end up rushing for like 1400 yards and catching 40 passes. But when you split that up yeah. three ways and they also have to split a pool of eight touchdowns, you're going to be lucky to be RB3. Yep. All right. The last signing here, Leonard Fournette goes back to the Bucks on a one year, $4 million deal that brings back all 22 starters on the Super Bowl. Oh, the winning Super Bowl. Team. Yeah for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your thoughts on Fournette. Uh, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, going back to the Buccaneers. I'd be so curious if Fournette took less less money in a one-year deal because he wants to win a title again, because I thought for sure after what we saw in the Super Bowl, there was going to be a team that would have a bigger offer uh, for Supposedly Fournette. Seattle offered him like a two-year deal. So I can't imagine it was like a million dollars for each year. I yeah. mean, he got a one-year $4 million deal. I would imagine Seattle's had to have been higher. I want to so, say there was another team that was rumored. I don't know if they ever offered him. Yeah, and I know they said Miami had looked at them. The Cardinals had looked at them. I wonder, too, if Fournette decided, hey, I could have a chance to maybe run it back and go for a Super Bowl title and then go into free agency when there's maybe going to be more money out there. Um, you know, that's we've seen a lot of these guys take nominal money, one-year deals, probably just to give themselves a chance to come back out in a better year. From a fantasy perspective, this crushes probably Keyshawn Vaughn the most. Uh, you know, it's hopeful that – he might carve out a bigger role, but I would wager that they're going to do what they did with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. The real question is, what is the split end up being? Ronald Jones ended up being the much better regular season player last year. He had 978 yards. He was a higher finisher. Fournette, for as great as he was in the playoffs after Jones got injured, wasn't a huge factor a lot during the regular season. He ended up with six rushing touchdowns, which – probably boosts what you think about him, but he only had three, 367 yards, I think. If that split ends up being closer to even, this could be another situation where you have maybe one of them's a low-end RB2 and one of them's in the RB3 range. I think it it caps the value for both, and then Vaughn, you know, it's another year of waiting to see if, if that, those shares mature into anything, unless they decide to use... It's interesting. I, I guess we should have read the 
the signs that they aren't ready to give a big role to Vaughn because they were way in on James White uh, until he went back to the Patriots. So maybe Fournette, they're going to use. He was their best pass receiving back last year. They talked about him yeah. as their like super third down back. Either way, to me, it hurt Vaughn the most, and it caps the ceiling for the other two. Yeah, I, I would say if you can, trade for Vaughn now because I still think he's got a lot of upside, and, and I think it's going to be a major part of that offense moving forward. But he he definitely, outside of an injury to Rojo or Fournette, I think has unfortunately zero value. This At year. least he doesn't have LaShawn McCoy in front of him anymore. That's true. You know, it still hurts though. I think I drafted him last year, like one of my main leagues at like the twelfth pick, and I was super oh, yeah. thrilled about it. And now so it's it's just like, <laughs> well, at the time it looked like it was going to be him and Ronald Jones, and that was some of yeah. the excitement about coming into this year. Hey, you know, the only good thing I'll say is Keyshawn Vaughn is the only of the three running backs that's under contract in twenty twenty two. Ronald Jones is in the final year of his rookie deal. Fournette came back on a one-year kind of low-money deal. It's not like they've made huge long-term investments. Tampa Bay seems very focused on trying to win the Super Bowl again in 2021, which makes perfect sense, and that probably makes more sense to go with the known quantity. All right, so let's talk about the edit. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to go rookie prospects first. We're going to save the mock draft. So we talked about our quarterbacks, our top guys, the guys that I think we all believe have – Real NFL Upside on Thursday's episode. You can check that out. Dennis was with us. We gave our top five. Give me yours again. Am I pointing the right way? Wrong way. Yeah, wrong way. Uh, I have Lawrence at one, Fields at two, Wilson at three, Jones at four, Lance at five. I had Lawrence at 1A, Fields at 1B, because I just want to put Fields above him, but I can't, even though I think I should. Uh, Lance at 3, Mac Jones at 4, Wilson at 5. And I know Dennis was somewhat close to mine. I cannot remember what I his think, was. Uh, I believe he had Mac Jones at 5. I remember that. No, he had Mac Jones at 4, uh, 2. I think he was the same as you. Was he? I thought he had Wilson above Jones. I think he did. They, he might have been the same as me then. Yeah, he had no. He had Lance at. He does have. I remember he had Lance at three because he said that. I believe his thing was Lance. He thinks Lance and Wilson are very close. I could be wrong, but I'm yeah. almost positive that's the way that he. Yeah, you're it. right. So he must have had Jones at five. We all had the same yeah. top five, and we all had yeah, the same yeah. top two. So moving forward from that, and again, if you guys want to listen to our thoughts on those guys, you go in. We talked very, we went pretty in depth with all five of them, talking about the reason we see some of the guys differently. There's a next group of quarterbacks. Uh, I'll be honest. There's one that intrigues me, one that I think clearly, at least in my opinion, has a future as a very good NFL backup, and I don't really care about the rest. But I'll read off the names of kind of the next group because a lot of people, including guys like my favorite analyst, uh, Phil Sims, ranked one of these guys at like quarterback two at one point during his process, which was Kellen Mond, which I, I don't understand, but it is what it is. Kyle Trask, Kellen, Kyle Trask out of Florida, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M, Jamie Newman, technically out of, I'm going to say Wake Forest, because he did not play for Georgia last year. The last time he was on the field was with Wake Forest. Ian Book out of Notre Dame and Sam Ellinger out of the University of Texas. For me, the guy that I talked about, I believe has a career as likely an NFL backup as Kyle Trask. And it's weird saying that because I actually had him fairly high early on with the way he was playing with Florida. More time I was able to go back and look at him. 
I just don't think he has the arm to be a NFL quarterback. He's good. He's a decisive thrower. He has very good accuracy. I do think he's got okay pocket poise. Like that's one of the things I think he could work on. He's good at going through his progressions. Uh, I like his release, but his arm strength is just, it's not there for me. And I believe I'm going to quote my good friend, Austin, who said this on the Debbie debate podcast. He throws a very catchable ball. The problem is it's also very catchable to the defense. It's uh, one of those that he kind of just throws it up there and it, it looks beautiful, but it's not quite has the zip on it that you need to make sure it gets to your wide receiver. So I do think, obviously, if you go back and look at what he did this year, he put up phenomenal numbers, but when it comes down to it, I just don't think he's going to have enough to be a everyday NFL starter. I do, don't, I do think he's the guy, if he's on a team where quarterback gets injured, he'll come in and be able to win games. He's not one of those backups you're going to throw in there and it's like the season's over with. I have no doubt he's a guy who can pull a Nick Foles and go in there and win you games, maybe even take you on a nice little run. But overall, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a franchise quarterback, or even if he gets a starting job, he's likely going to be one of those guys that you're talking about is like the quarterback 30 through 32 uh, every single year. So he's my sixth. Uh, and the last guy I'd feel really comfortable drafting in hopes that he does anything in the NFL. Who do you have at six? Yeah, Trask, I had him at six too. I think it's interesting. He seems like he's been linked uh, in a few of these mocks to going to the Bears, which wouldn't that, wouldn't that be just perfect? Kyle Trask, uh, Andy Dalton, and Nick Foles. Uh, you got to feel bad for Chicago fans, Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to think about Trask either. There seems to be people that are excited about him and people that are really leery of him. I think your idea that he ends up probably being a backup feels a little bit sound, uh, but he's probably the, it feels like there's, there's six that you know, you're going to draft that, that are going to get drafted five that you think could be something, you know, two that you think might be great. And then there's a bunch of guys that, you know, I, I loved the uh, if if people are interested in listening to to your guys' thoughts, I listened to your draft profile uh, talking about Kellen Mond and uh, Newman today. I thought that was fascinating. the The other two that seem to be the most polarizing when you look around and look at people's rankings is Book from Notre Dame and Ellinger uh, from Texas. Some I, I was trying to look. I think ESPN has one of them as like the seventh quarterback, or they have. They have Ian Book as their eighth-ranked quarterback, um, but then I've seen other people saying it's he shouldn't even be in the top ten. Book is so hard to – I mean, we can talk about – I'll say that Kellen Bond is an interesting quarterback. He has – the abilities he's got he's he's very good on the run he can he's got good arm range and he can't zip the ball and he's just got no accuracy and i just don't yeah i should say he has no accuracy he makes really good throws at times and then he makes like eight throws you're just like what the hell are you doing so i i don't love kellamont yeah but no god no i I still, I think it's a weird year too because you have a bunch of guys that tried to transfer that maybe didn't get to play, yeah. like Jamie Newman. He wasn't incredible in 2019. We have no 2020 to look at. That to me was my hesitation uh, against you guys' thoughts when, when it comes to Trey Lance. Like he had one good year in 2019. Sometimes we've seen guys have 
a good year and then not have great follow-ups. We've seen people get drafted after a one really great college. I mean, I always, I know it's going to hurt your feelings, but like I think about Dwayne Haskins who yeah. he only had one good year as a starter, but he looked incredible. It seemed like that was a no brainer top quarterback pick. And we've yet to see, you know, he might be lucky to end up a career backup at this point in time. Yeah. Well, I will say the one thing with Haskins and again, maybe this is something I should have, I should have seen more coming because, well, they did a very good job of keeping it quiet, but now you hear a lot of the stories about how how big his ego is and how good he thinks he is and maybe wasn't the most coachable player at times. And the one thing I will say is I, I think he has all the talent in the world. I mean, you saw that at Ohio State in that one year, but if you're not willing to be coached, you're not – I don't think – he's not – Aaron Rodgers talent of the world where you can go out on the football field and maybe not need a coach to tell you what to do and you'll be just fine. But the fact that he's rumors, he wasn't reading playbooks, didn't care. He was out doing whatever. I mean, that's not going to help you on the NFL. There's very few quarterbacks. I would say, I mean, even right now, what would you put? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady. Maybe the only three I would feel comfortable throwing out on an NFL field. If it was just a one day, they're like, Matt, Matt, you guys are the new head coach and offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos. You can have any quarterback you want. We we're, we take one of those three guys. And it's like, oh, hey, well, they don't have any time to learn the playbook. Just throw them out. Probably the only three guys in the NFL I would trust to yeah. throw out there and be like, they'll be able to run an offense. I don't care. Go have fun. So, I mean, if Dwayne Haskins is not willing to be coached and read and learn offensive playbooks, and yes, he's not going to have any – I agree with you, any kind of futures. Why I kind of liked him going to Pittsburgh, because I don't see yeah. Mike Tomlin putting up with that shit. And so if he uh, wants to stay, this is his one shot to be. You need to get your, your, your act together kind of thing. So I guess the other question about quarterback is we could end up possibly seeing five go in the first round. Yeah. Would it surprise you if only six or seven go total? No. Yes, because I still think Trask gets drafted, so that's six. I do think Newman – I think Newman, Mond, and possibly even Ellinger have a chance to get drafted. There's just a lot of people in the industry who are very high on Mond. And, again, I – uh, we had um, he's part of the uh, oh my goodness why is the name that just jumped out of my head very great um, oh my goodness I'll try and remember I actually had it pulled up here I was reading one of their profiles the other day because I was one of Debbie watch I'm sorry the Debbie watch Kyle Francis of the Debbie watch uh, we had him on the Debbie debate recently and I saw a tweet that he put out when people were talking about like how far Justin Fields is falling down. He's like, why are why is the NFL still so bad at evaluating quarterbacks? And I just don't get it. And and maybe and I, I view things from a fantasy lens, and I'm not an NFL GM. Again, I, I always joke I'm sitting in a wooden chair at my house in Texas. So what do I know? I've never said I'm anybody important, just my opinion. I watch a lot of college football. I don't know what they're seeing. They're clearly seeing something. I do think Newman has the ability to be a starting NFL quarterback, but I'm with you. I just don't know how much a year off helps him, and that's what worries me the most. Like the, the difference with Lance for me is Lance has talent and skill that I don't. I think Newman doesn't, if that makes sense. Where Newman 
he showed a decent amount at Wake Forest, and I was kind of intrigued to see what he would do going to Georgia in a more friendly offense. It was Todd Munkin offense, better weapons around him, all better team all around him. I was like, okay, what can Newman do? Can he raise his draft stock? And then he opted out. And all the rumors were he opted out because they thought JT Daniel, he thought JT Daniels would take his job. Well, that's not what I want to hear. So, and I don't know if that's true or not. But no, no I was oh. agreeing with you. That is not what you want to hear. Yeah. So then it's like, well, then so how good is he really? So he intrigues me, but he's not a guy that I think at best he goes late day two. He's probably a day three pick. I'm taking him at like the end of my dynasty drafts and hope again, you know, most especially if you're playing flex, you grab a couple of these quarterbacks that may have some upside at some point. I, I do think Newman has possibly some upside. Ellinger is another guy that I think has a chance to be a career NFL backup. Like I don't expect him to ever be much of a starter in any way, but I do think he's got the talent uh, to be a backup quarterback somewhere. So I think he'll be in the league and someone that, you know, if you've got a Baker, Lance Browns, you've got Baker Mayfield, okay, grab Ellinger because he's going to back him up kind of thing. I don't expect him to ever really get a shot. I just expect him to be a journeyman quarterback pretty much. Book, you'll understand when I make the statement why I have no – I want anything to do with book. And you said you were listening to the Debbie debate draft profile shows. I don't remember if I've ever said it on the draft profile show. I know I've said it on the Debbie debate. He's Ian Mansell to me. And I, I want nothing to do with him because of that. He's just yeah. in the backfield continually runs around. And some of it I know was because I can't actually say it. I think Notre Dame had a very good offensive line last year. Now some of that does come from the Alabama game clearly was the best team in the in college last year, but I feel like he bails from the pocket too early, just kind of runs around and then just throws these crazy passes. Reminds me a lot of another guy in my top five and why I'm not so high on him. So I, I just think that that doesn't succeed in the NFL. There's very few quarterbacks that do that in the NFL, and there's like actually two of them. It's Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray, and that's it. And, and well, so don't I wonder- don't think everybody can do that if Notre Dame hadn't played in the ACC and, and gotten into the playoffs, maybe he's not even getting viewed. And I'm wondering if he got a little bit of a boost because so many people didn't play and because they had such a good yeah. season as a team. I mean, I still think they probably would have made the playoffs in Notre Dame. I don't remember what the schedule was before COVID, but I think they only had like one really tough game on there just because of the name brand. If they go undefeated, they're getting in. Now, he did have a good game against Clemson um, earlier in there, beat him. I know Trevor Lawrence wasn't in there, but at the same time, that doesn't matter to me because he's not playing Trevor Lawrence. You know, that goes back to the old Peyton Manning-Tom Brady duels. They weren't dueling each other, really. They were going against the defenses. But I do think he just has a lot of deficiencies in his game. I, I know, as you mentioned, there's some people who have him very high. I don't understand it. I, I don't. Him and Kellen Mond are like the two of this group that I, I just don't see much of anything at the NFL level. So I don't know what I'm not seeing that these other people are. But, you know, I was having a discussion about this in our Discord channel was I, I hate I don't want to knock anybody because I imagine everybody has their own process. And I don't like it when people knock my process. It takes me a long time to come up with the discussions and the answers that I do for the prospects that I have. And, and I, I'm not sitting there looking at highlight tape. So I imagine a lot of these people in the NFL aren't either. So they found, they came to their process the way they did. I will just agree to disagree because I don't see it. 
They do. And hey, I've been wrong on quarterbacks before. I mean, I'm trying to think of who's – I mean, Sam Darnold, I thought was going to be a very good quarterback. He hasn't panned yeah, out. Still I mean, might be. I, you know, I actually, when I think about it, the past couple of years, I've been, I feel like, actually fairly good with my quarterback evaluations. I can't remember who I was. I think I was really only on those three guys last year, and I had Herbert above Tua. I had Burrow at one. I don't think there was any other quarterbacks I was really in on. I was right so far on the Baker. Well, um, well, I mean, that's the nice thing about this year's class. At least we have more than three options if you need to draft a quarterback in Superflex because well, – that's what it reminds it reminds me of that class. So what would that have been four years ago now? So the twenty sixteen draft class was that Baker, Darnold, Allen, Lamar, Rosen. Yes. Uh, so that, in no, seventeen, I think seventeen. That yeah. one for me. I don't know if you can call it a victory or not. I had it Baker, Darnold, it Allen, 18, Lamar because they've played 18. three years. Yeah. Okay. I did do the math. So, how, how many years have they played? Three. I had it. I, when I did my final rankings, I was not with Dynasty Nerds at this point. I was, I was with the site, I believe it was called Dynasty Guru. I was writing for Dynasty Guru and QB list, I believe, at this point. It, I finished with my final rankings as Dar- Baker, Darnold, Allen, Lamar, Rosen. And Rosen was the only one that I was like, I, I didn't want no interest. I have no interest in him whatsoever. I did not think he was going to be good. And I remember there are some very prominent Browns people who wanted the Browns to take him at one. And I was like, I will stop being a Browns fan if that happens. I had wanted the Browns. I remember how much they wanted Denver to trade up to take Rosen too. And yeah, thank God. Yeah. I was, I was all aboard the Baker train way before the news came out that they were going Baker. And I will say that, while it may seem like I'm just saying this to say this, you can go back and look at my articles. I'm sure they're still available. I did say that I thought Allen and Lamar had some of the best upside in the class if they could figure out their passing. Now, Allen has done that. Lamar, in my opinion, has not. I know he had the one good year. I will continue to say if you watch the tape, it's sort of one of wide receivers. So there's a little bit of a difference. But that was the last time we had five quarterbacks go in the first yeah. round. Too, and it's shaping up, it looks like. That for certainly seems like it's going to happen this year. I have, I would be surprised if one makes it. I think they're going to go in the top 10. I really do. And, Mm. and we'll get to that more and why here when we get to our, our mock draft. But I think the trade that happened signified that we, as much as we think the plan that we, that they should go with with the Jets is that I think signifies they're not doing what we think they should do with with that trade. So we'll save that more for, for that. I will say as a good lead into our next piece, driving home, the, uh, Opening drive on NFL Network Radio, their guy was convinced that they're holding on to number two because they want to take Kyle Pitts. Oh, dear goodness. I mean, I, I heard a little bit different thing on on where Kyle Pitts was going that actually was in your favor uh, earlier today as well. On, on I think the Bengals XM, might so do it. I'm telling that's, you. That's who they brought up. They brought up they, – they think that that's exactly where he's going to go. And I was like, well, hey, that's what Matt kept trying to tell us on last Monday's episode. So – Uh, I've heard a couple of people say you really need these game changers at these positions and Pitts can be a game changer at tight end. And while Penny Sewell is probably the best tackle, the gap between him and the second and third best tackle isn't as big as the gap between Kyle Pitts and trying to get another game changing tight end. Yeah, I will say that 
there's some decent tight ends in 2022. You're not going to get a cop hits level tight end until 2023, and that's Eric Gilbert. And Michael Mayer, I think, is very good, too. So you're waiting a couple years. But speaking of Kyle Pitts, let's talk about the tight ends. Kyle Pitts is it. Uh, I mean, he is – I'm trying to think of – I mean, he's by far the best tight end prospect I have seen since I've done this. And I've only been doing this for like four years. So don't – you know, I'm not – it's like I've been doing this for 40 years or whatever. But – I know a lot of people want to knock him for his blocking. He is not as bad a blocker as people want to knock him for. He is a phenomenal route runner. He's got speed at the tight end position. He literally plays the tight end position as a wide receiver. I don't remember if if he got this from somewhere, if it was his thing, uh, but Ray Garvin of Destination Debbie continues to call him an offensive weapon, and I think that's what he is. Like He is going to completely change wherever he goes. He is the next Travis Kelsey. And and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, I would not be upset taking him as early as one, three in rookie. If, if you're not talking super flex or tight end premium dress, even just one quarterback leagues, I would be fine. taking him at one, three in rookie drafts. Like I think Najee and Javante should go ahead of him just because of, the way I value running backs. But outside of that, I'd be fine taking him over any wide receiver. Kyle Pitts is going to be, I think, a top five dynasty tight end the minute he steps on the field, regardless of what franchise he goes to as well. If he goes to the Jets, I still think he's going to be phenomenal. There he goes to Cincinnati, wheels up even more with Joe Burrow. So he is the guy for me. I don't think it's particularly close. I do hear a lot of people saying that this tight end class is bad, and I completely disagree with that. But I do think outside, if you were to take Pitts out of this class, this would be a, I guess, average class because there's two other tight ends I think are very good, and there's a bunch of tight ends who I think have NFL upside and can be very good but they're probably like the back end of that 12 to 20 range we always talk about that are just kind of mixed in. Kyle Pitts has a chance to be a complete game changer. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Pitts and, and the absolute beast he seems to be? Yeah, I mean, I think he's the the top of the class. He's probably, um, you know, somebody asked today, where, where do I think he gets drafted? I, I don't think he gets out of the top 15 picks. I think some, he's going to go up somewhere there, and I think it's he's going to be a top pick in a lot of people's rookie drafts just depends on, um, you know, I, I don't think a landing spot will knock him out of too far out of his position, but it could boost him up. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if, you know, we just talked about the jets take him, like you're not moving him out, but if he goes to the Bengals and all of a sudden you're paired with Joe Burrow, that gives him a, a tad bit of a little of, of a better boost. So I'm with you there. So my next tight end is, Pat Fryermuth. I, I believe Pat, Pat Fryermuth is an extremely good tight end. I think he is actually the most well-rounded of the tight ends. Uh, I've talked about this on the Debbie debate. This goes back to, we had the debate a couple of years ago with um, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan. Now, I think both of these guys are actually better than both of those guys. We talked about Hawkinson is the most complete tight end and Fant was a better offensive guy. <sighs> Frymouth is the most complete tight end. Kyle Pitts is by far just the better prospect. But what Frymouth can do, run blocking, pass blocking, is is phenomenal. He did not play much this past year at Penn State. He got injured. I believe he only ended up playing like two games. Four. But four. He, he is by far the most traditional tight end, and he just does 
anything well. Uh, he was nicknamed earlier uh, in the year Baby Gronk because of what they see from him at the next level. If that gives you any kind of hint at what people expect out of him. But he can catch. He can run. He's a great route runner. He is a great – he takes a lot of pride in his run and pass blocking. So I think he's the guy that will be in line, but that won't, in my opinion, stop him from being a fantasy uh, asset as well. He will likely go in the second round. Maybe he goes in the first round, uh, but I don't think there's any way he falls out of the second round. And he is a guy that I will say as well. There's three guys in this class I think all have chances to be top 12 Dynasty tight ends the minute they step on the field, and he is number two for me. Is he your number two, or do you have somebody different? No, and actually, after listening to your profile, I'm kind of surprised. I I liked the upside of Brevin Jordan a little bit better. So I, 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 I like. Brevin I have him two and three, but I, I'm with you. It's like the those three probably at the top, and then. Yeah, well, some questions. On Jordan, because I, I like Brevin Jordan a lot, but there's one thing I don't really like about him, and I'll tell you why after. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I just liked the the potential. Um, I know when I was listening to you guys, you were talking about landing spot could make a, a big impact there. I do I do agree with that. That's he's probably more landing spot dependent than than Pat Fryermuth, but I liked the potential upside, I guess, is why I, I bumped him up a little bit more. I looked at a lot of different rankings. You see people going, it seems like those two are the next two basically in the tight end, and you see a lot of back and forth. Um, I don't think he can go wrong either way. I just, when I was initially get, um, you know making my guess, I don't spend as much time looking at film as you do, obviously, but... Um, that was the way I went is having him two and Fryermuth three. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan ends up being the better fantasy player because of what you just mentioned. If you watch his tape, you'll see why. I mean, he hurdles people. He's phenomenal after the catch. Like that's my favorite part about Brevin Jordan is once you get the ball in his hands, he almost turns into like a running back wide receiver hybrid. Like he he's very good after the catch. My biggest thing with him is I don't think he's quite the blocker that Pat Fryermuth is, which I, I wonder may not keep him on the field. Although with the way NFL really college is shifting, that may not matter as much as we thought yeah. it did, I guess it's fair to say, because we see now tight ends that are not that good at blocking still stay on the field because they just use them and, and more in the offensive side of the game. Uh, my go ahead. It does feel like they're it's moving more toward, I mean, if a guy can block, that's a bonus, but yeah, they're looking more at tight ends as weapons, yeah. or you have your designated blocking tight end that you throw in for designated blocking, and then you bring the guy in who's going to catch passes. Uh, the other thing is what you mentioned that we did talk about on the profiles, and that's what scares me is I think landing spot matters more for Jordan than it does for the other two because Friar moves, I think, regardless of where he goes because of what he can do, blocking everything will get on the field. Brevin Jordan. He can be used all over the field. I mean, I, I talked, I'm pretty sure I talked about him in that profile. I know when I did it for sleeper, why I talked about it. Like, they used him at running back, they used him at fullback. He lined up at wide receiver at times for Miami. Like, he can do everything. But if he doesn't go to an offense that wants to use him that way, then I am worried about what he can do at the next level. I'm pretty sure I commented to what I, I, I believed. I think you can get out of Jonu Smith at the level. That's level. We all know how big of a Jonu Smith on this podcast. And Tennessee couldn't get that out of him. It's why I'm hoping they get him out of, that out of him at New England. So that's what scares me about Brevin Jordan. But 
I'm with you. Like, I don't think there's a wrong way to rank these next two. Whether you like Jordan more, Fryermuth more, they're the next two. It's, you know, Pitts, tier break, these two. And then I think there's another tier break. And I think there's two guys that are close to these two for me. And that's Hunter Long and Matt Bushman. Um, Long, I think, is a very good tight end. I think he's got a really good shot to be a serviceable NFL tight end. He's very good blocker. He's not going to blow you away athletically, which is I view him like almost like a Kyle Rudolph. Like he's not going to blow you away with what he does testing wise. He's not going to burn you down the field like a Jordan can or a Pitts. But he's got very good hands. He's a very serviceable tight end. And if he goes to a good offense, I could see him being, like I said, just a very Kyle Rudolph-esque like tight end where he's going to get you points some weeks, some weeks he's not. A guy that I think could be, you know, in that tight end. I think he's probably going to roughly be like tight end 15, but I think he finishes as a tight end too almost all the time that he's in the NFL. So he's not going to inspire confidence, but I do think he he could have those seasons that Pitts had, or not Pitts, I'm sorry, Rudolph had where Rudolph was like a top 12 tight end at times. Like I could see that out of Hunter Long at the next level. So he's my four. Who is your four? Yeah, same. He is? Okay. Do you have anything, any different thoughts on him or? No, I when I was looking at it, that, I, I felt comfortable that those kind of in the top four were easier. It, it gets more interesting, I think, when you go later. I agree with you, Bushman. The interesting prospect I have him there. I was actually very moved uh, listening to Felix talk about Tommy Tremble. Um, he is very high on Tremble. Yes. Yeah. So, well, he's very convincing. It's, maybe it's the dulcet tones. Hey, he's he's a very good lawyer, and he does a very good job of convincing people. So that that is uh that is why he is so good at his day job as well. Yeah, I don't. Tremble is six for me. Uh, five, I have Bushman, and I think that's just because Bushman's being forgotten about because of the injury last year. And yeah. if you go and look at what he was able to do beforehand, he was very good and, and a very good offensive uh, tight end. Wilson and that the BYU team before Wilson became what Wilson was last year. Like if you go back and look at, you know, Wilson did not have a great year in 2019. Bushman was still putting up a ton of stats. I think he's going to be a very good tie at the next level. Obviously, the injury does scare me some. Um, you know, I want to see him come back from that. In fact, he didn't get to play at all this year, but great catch radius, really good hands. Um, and I do think that. You know, again, before the injury, he actually showed a little bit of like wiggle and burst as a tight end, which is not something you find in tight ends. But I don't know how much that injury, the ACL might have changed that moving forward. So that worries me. But he can be a very good blocker as well, which, again, as we've talked about, not the end all be all anymore for tight ends, but is a plus. It's a plus that helps boost him up. So I have him a little bit ahead of Tremble just because I think he's a little bit more or was before the injury more and and I hope that he continues to do that. But that's the one thing that scares me is we don't know. I will say the thing that actually will help you in that that area as well as a Bush's guy that like not many people are talking about. I, everybody's kind yeah. of overlooking him. So I do think he's a guy you'll be able to get late in your rookie drafts that has a chance to smash like well, I think he's going to get drafted, so maybe that'll raise him some because I, I honestly think he could go in like the fourth or fifth round. But once that happens, that'll boost his stock up some. But even then, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be talked about with the trembles and longs of the world where I think talent-wise he is right there. 
So how do I guess I'll give my rankings really quick and then I'll let you give yours. We we're fairly similar on the top three, which everybody will be if we're being honest. For me though, it's Pitts, yeah. Fryermuth, Jordan, and then I have Long, Bushman, Tremble. Really don't have much faith in any of the other tight ends though in this class producing outside of those guys. You know, I know uh, Dennis, not Dennis, I'm sorry. Felix is really big on uh, Zach Davidson as well. He talked about him, I believe, in that same episode that he talked yeah. about Tommy Tremble. So the puncher. he's very big on Zach. Yeah, he's very big on Zach Davidson. I am not. Those are really the only guys, the only six uh, that I believe have at least some a shot at being productive in the NFL. How far do your rankings go down, or where do you have your cutoff at tight end? I kind of just did six. I, you know, I was even on the fence before looking at it. Really feels like I, I noticed Dynasty Nerds right now only has four uh, ranked. Uh, okay. Uh, when I was looking, uh, because they have the rankings through Dynasty GM, so I was curious to see where. I think it's met. a top four. It's Hunter Long is the fourth, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, listening to the the profile made me interested. Looking at stuff, yeah, ESPN has Bushman right there as number five, and then it seems like there's a lot of varying opinions about different people below that. I think tight ends kind of a tough, but beyond the kind of top yeah. guys, we even saw that uh, last year. We've seen that a few years before. You know, you usually have a couple of top guys at the top. Um, so you and I are pretty close. I, I flipped Jordan and Friermuth, and then I I guess I was uh, allowed myself to be swayed by the episode and flipped uh, Tremble and Bushman. Um, I will bring up Kenny Yaboa out of Ole Miss. Uh, I, I want to do more work on him, but he is another guy that I forgot about him. I, I do like Yaboa as well uh, quite a bit, but he's someone I haven't had the chance to look at as much as a Tremble. I looked at Tremble for our episode with that, and then uh, Bushman's just a guy because of me going back and looking at the 2019 Zach Wilson film because I wanted to prove to Felix that Zach Wilson's not quite as good as he thinks he is, uh, that he stood out to me. There was one I, I remember. I was it. Uh, Austin must have done Noah Gray uh, on that tight yes, end. Yes, he did. Yes, I thought that was kind of interesting. There was a guy on the ESPN list, uh, Tony Poljohn. Um, I was I was interested by his. Uh, was he stats. Virginia? I think well, he started out as a quarterback, so I thought that was interesting. And then yeah, Let's it see. went to Virginia, but I think he was only at Virginia the last year. Um, gotcha. I was just I looked at some of the clips uh but not enough i don't feel confident enough to rank. he was central michigan he started out as quarterback okay and was looks like he played quarterback decent amounts as in 2018 as a sophomore but kind of converted over um you know and had not had some decent numbers for virginia 38 for 4 11 and 6 tds yeah, actually, he's not that bad at all. I'm going to have to look at him. So I, we'll add Yaboa and how do you say his last name? I think it's, it's, P, it's P-O-L-J-A-N, so I was guessing Poljan. I don't know. I Right now, um, I've been looking – you know, I I wish we would have had a combine. I know I've heard you guys talk about yeah. wishing we would have had a combine because that's where – I think everybody yeah, knows about nobody, the top uh, two or three at every position, but that's where you get to yeah. see all these other people and then pique your interest and start. So I've been looking at kind of ranking lists. Um, ESPN has its best available by position now, so I will frequently go look and then start pulling some stats and looking at things. 
Yeah, because these pro day numbers and like all these wide receivers not run, everyone's running like a four four flat or something like that. So it's, yeah, apparently uh, yeah. John Ross is at everybody's school this year. Yeah, so I don't, it's hard to trust the pro day numbers. So, all right. We will now talk about the NFL mock draft. Uh, so we were through 12 picks. We were. Uh, we had it as Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars, Panay Sewell to the Jets, Jamar Chase to the Dolphins, Justin Fields to the Falcons, Rashawn Slater to the Bengals, Devonta Smith to the Eagles, Trey Lance to the Lions, Zach Wilson to the Panthers, Micah Parsons to the Broncos, Patrick Sertain to the Cowboys, Christian Derrissaw to the Giants, and Jace Horn to the 49ers. That is how we ended Thursday's show. And then the 49ers decided to come in on Friday and just destroy everything we worked so hard on. And they traded with Miami. So we will break down next week. I've not got a chance to talk about these trades either. We'll talk about this, and we are going to redo the mock draft based on some of this stuff. So the first trade that happened, Miami traded, uh, let's see here, was it? The 49ers so, get, go ahead. Yeah, you, go ahead. I, th- the, the I think it's easier. Basically, um, this is how it ends up shaking out. Uh, so the 49ers traded to get the third pick and at the time gave yeah. Miami the 12th pick and a whole bunch of stuff. Miami then traded with Philadelphia to get the sixth pick. So they're now at six and Philadelphia dropped to 12. So in total, Miami ends up with the number six pick and the number 56 pick, 156 from the Eagles. They also have a first and third round from the 49ers in 2022, and they got a first round from Miami, uh, from the 49ers in 2023. The 49ers only got the third pick overall, uh, but still pretty good haul for them. And then the Eagles got the number 12 pick from Miami, uh, via the 49ers and the number 123 pick in the 2021 draft. And they also got a 2022 first rounder from the Dolphins. So it ends up basically, I believe it looks like Miami, because I think that 2022 first rounder was still Houston's first rounder yeah, or might have been their first rounder and they kept Houston's. I forget how bad that Laramie Tunsil trade <laughs> really was. Yep. Uh, but so basically Miami has the number six pick and the 18 pick in this year's first round. They have two first rounders in 2022. They have two first rounders in 2023. The 49ers have no first round picks in 2022 or 2023. I have, I am sort of wondering if the legal issues with Deshaun Watson, because they were really rumored to be offering a package that included three firsts cause them to go, let's do that package and get a draft pick and know that we're taking something more stable um, because it certainly seems like that was a little bit of a surprise move. And then for Philadelphia, uh, I think what really throws our mock draft off too is Philadelphia said they wanted to move up to three, but only to get Zach Wilson. And they found out that wasn't going to happen for them. So they decided to move back. Now it's unclear whether they're saying they found out that wasn't going to happen because the 49ers made a trade or what most people think is because they got some kind of concrete indication from the jets that Zach Wilson's going to be gone. So it certainly looks like the top three picks and probably the top four picks could all be quarterbacks. Yeah, I believe the Jets are taking Zach Wilson. We talked about it a little bit, too, on that, that I was listening to NFL radio, and they were bringing up the fact that multiple GMs were talking about the fact that they thought it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Jets are actually going to take Zach Wilson. So we're going to redo our draft now. I will say that 
you know, for me personally, I think the 49ers make that trade for, as you mentioned, they're coming up to get a quarterback. They're not coming up to get Kyle Pitts. They're not coming up to get Sewell. You make that move. You give up that capital because you believe there's a franchise quarterback here. Um, you know, we'll save the discussion on who we think that is when we get to the pick. Uh, so let's go. We'll start it back up here. This will be hopefully our final one. We won't have any other like massive bombs dropped on us. But Tell, you never Ca- know. Tell Carolina moves up to number four. We are we are a month away at this point uh, from the draft, so we'll see. So we're going to start it over, and Trevor Lawrence is still one for all three of us, so we will keep him there. The debate now comes in at two. I, I've been on record saying that I think that they should go Sewell. It just doesn't seem like that's what they are going to do. It really does seem like they're going Zach Wilson. So I don't know who Dennis put on here. Did he put no, Zach he, Wilson as well? He only put a difference. Uh, he only put he a player. A difference different from what I put. So, so then him and you were both flipped. thinking that he goes Zach Wilson. So I, I can't yeah. disagree with that based on the trade and, and the rumors of what came out. So we're going to now go Zach Wilson at two to the New York Jets which gets us to three and kind of the thing that has set Twitter ablaze the past couple days since the trade has happened in, especially today, or I'm sorry, not today, tomorrow at one o'clock Eastern time is the Ohio state pro day where Justin Fields will be throwing. And word is that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will not be there. Uh, So a lot of people believe that that means they're out on Justin Fields. It has also been reported that they already know Justin Fields very well based on two I can't remember the name of it. Some quarterback camp that they've already participated in have a report on Justin Fields and they know what they think of him. So I think that the report that they're not going and that means they're taking Mac Jones because they are going to Mac Jones pro day uh, is a little bit overblown. That being said, the next three are Justin Fields, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. You have someone different and so does so does Dennis. So give me what who you have that you believe the 49ers are taking at three and why. Yeah, I think they already went to Trey Lance Pro Day. They uh, did. And yes. were reportedly pretty blown away by him. And um, I believe they went to that Pro Day before they made the trade. Yes. Um, which, so I, there are a lot of people, I, I've told you, I, I, I guess I'm more concerned because of the sample size and the layoff and, and I don't know, and the competition level, I don't know exactly how incredible I feel about that, but there are a lot of scouts that really like uh, Trey Lance. I know you like him a lot. I think we probably, we, we all thought Justin Fields was a better option, but it, I, I can see for the 49ers. I just think that's where they're going. Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback. I'm telling you. I think in that, but trading up to three to take Mac, I, I don't know. So here's here's what I'll say on that. Now I do not think that they're trading up to get Mac Jones. I really don't. Especially because I think you probably could have gotten Mac Jones where they were. That's another reason yeah. why I don't think that they're trading up, or they wouldn't have had to trade up to three, in my opinion, to get Mac yeah. Jones. So I don't think that it's Mac Jones. I'll tell you who I think it is and why I think it's that person in a minute. But I I see I disagree. I think Mac Jones is a really good quarterback. I, I think he's getting undersold because he's not, you know, he wears the Tom Brady socks and he's not, you know, he's got the dad bod Bro, and he's not Justin Fields or Trey Lance. We did but, talk about him being a good distributor, and that might actually fit. I, I mean, I can Kyle see Shanahan that fitting wants. because that fits 
the the offense, you know, that's a kind way of describing Jimmy G. But yeah, so here's the thing with Jimmy G, and and I'll bring this up because I feel like everybody kind of shits on the dude. If you actually look at when he's been on the field, he has been a more than uh, he's been a top quarterback, and it's weird to say that because you don't think so. Mm. But if you look at his stats. He's been a top quarterback whenever he's on the field. Now, he hasn't been on the field, but Mac Jones gets there. And again, I think he's a tad bit of an upgrade over Jimmy G. And he doesn't have the injury history. Well, now you got a quarterback who just took you to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and was one missed throw away from winning the 49ers the Super Bowl. That's the thing I think everybody kind of overlooks with Jimmy G. And I agree. I have nothing but faith in Kyle Shanahan. Like, the dude is a phenomenal coach. So, I have no doubt. If that's who he wants to go up and get, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm excited because then you're going up and getting the guy that he believes in. So I I, I, I don't disagree with you. The Niners defense took him to the Super Bowl, but Jimmy G was one throw away from winning them that Super Bowl because that offense was playing good. And I understand that it, and we've talked about it before. Kyle Shanahan builds the way he does the running game is nobody else does it that way. And, you know, everything he's learned from his father and everything is clearly shown how great that he is. But Jimmy G is also, if you look at what he's done statistically, one of the most accurate passers and a very good quarterback when he's on the field. So I cannot knock Jimmy G. That being said, I believe the reason they traded up to three is because they want Justin Fields. And the reason I think they traded up to three is because I think that's who Atlanta was going to take. And you had to get ahead of Atlanta if you wanted to get fields. I do agree with you, Matt, that while I think Lance has a ton of upside, and the reason I think they could go Lance here is you have Jimmy G for one more year. You're not cutting him in this year based on the salary cap. But next year you can dump him for no dead cap. Lance needs at least a year. So if you do trade up to here and you take Trey Lance, you know I can sit him for a year. You think you can sit him for a year, assuming Jimmy G stays healthy, and then he's wheels up to go. I think, though, the reason you trade all the way up to three is because you think Atlanta is going to take fields, and that's who you want. Because I don't think if I don't think at three Miami is going quarterback, and I don't think Atlanta was going to take Lance personally. I think if Fields was on the clock, right. that's who Atlanta was taking. You might jump up to block Carolina. Maybe. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's why they traded up to three, though, to jump Atlanta. Because you had, was it Cincy? I mean, I think Cincy would have been willing to do. I don't know about who was that. Who's the next? Was it Detroit? Let me pull up my thing. Yeah, Detroit six would have been no. It would have been no. Six was Philly. Philly and seven was Philly. Detroit. See, I don't think Philly was taking a quarterback either, and I think Philly was clearly willing to trade down. Once they found out they were not going to get Zach Wilson. See, we, we, they aren't taking a quarterback now, but it seems like they were interested in taking a quarterback. That's right. Well, they were trying to move. They wanted Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. To get Wilson. But then they found out that wasn't going to happen. So they seem more than willing to trade down. So I don't know. I, we're going to, I guess we're going to go field here because that's where me and Dennis are going. But I know PJ, we think that the Jets are taking. All the rumors are pointing to them taking Wilson. That they that the that's why the Eagles decided to trade back was that they were trying to move up to get Zach Wilson, and it doesn't seem like that's going to be able to happen now. So that's why they decided to trade back. 
Uh, and, and we've talked about there's a lot of people saying now where there's smoke, there's fire. There's too many people saying that the Jets are that are in love with Zach Wilson and want to take him for it to just be a rumor now at this point. I think that that's likely what's going to happen. So we have them taking Wilson. I will we'll keep it on record that Matt believes that the 49ers are taking Lance, but I, I will side with Dennis here that I, I think they're moving up to take Justin Fields. And I think that that is the better quarterback at this point. Because I think, in all honesty, if Justin Fields goes there, I think he could beat out Jimmy G and win the starting job this year and automatically. And that turns that 49er team we already think could be a Super Bowl contender look even better with the quarterback like Justin Fields at the, at the helm. So that puts Atlanta on the clock here. And I think this actually works perfectly for Atlanta. I mean, we talked a little bit about it. Dennis was hesitant to put Justin Fields here because of the way they restructured Matt Ryan's contract. We talked a lot about that on last Monday's episode with the way they restructured his contract. They can't get out of it for at least two years. So clearly they believe a little bit in Matt Ryan. I think Sewell is the perfect fit. Yeah, I was going to say, if if Fields goes at three, I think Atlanta takes the best tackle because um, they don't have an offensive line. Exactly. So they, look, they I think them in Cincinnati, unfortunately for Cincinnati, because I think Cincinnati would love Sewell to fall to them. Uh, yeah. But I think, I think there's no way he doesn't go here. I, you know, there's, I don't think Pitts goes here. I, I, Pitts is, no. in my opinion, the best player on the board at this point, but they have, they have hurt. It doesn't so make I, sense I for horrible. Atlanta. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense for the offense. I think Pitts is going to go next. I Again, think they can't right block. This, though. Yeah. They can't block. So Sewell to Atlanta, which then leads us to what Matt has been saying since the beginning, you know, Pitts is a game changer, and we have Rashawn Slater going here beforehand. Uh, based on the way the board fell the first time, I, I feel like it's a tad bit of reach here. Yeah, you've got Kyle Pitts. I don't think it's an. I don't think it's a need for them as much as other people do. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do it. You know, you mentioned it last week, and I talked you out of it. We went Rashawn Slater. It just seems like it's the Bengals thing to do. I don't think uh, they a need lot them, of mocks are, are but, starting to turn that way too, which tells you that there's starting to be some rumblings that yeah, the heart wants what the heart wants. So Kyle Pitts and who did, does that? Who both you and Dennis put? No, um, I had Penny Sewell going there because we didn't have him going above. And Dennis oh, okay. didn't, didn't change off of that. But I I think if Sewell Sewell ends up making more sense to Atlanta, Fields is gone. I don't yeah. think that they take Mac Jones at four. Uh, I don't think Atlanta. I think Atlanta will take a quarterback if the if the right guy is there, which Fields yeah. makes sense because of a hometown guy. I, I think they would have done that. I don't think they would take Lance or Jones there. I think they'll take a tackle. Yeah. In which case, with your best tackle gone, if you even if you are waffling between those two, the decision gets made for you if you're Cincinnati. Yeah. All right, so now Pitts to Cincinnati, which puts Miami on the clock. They get to drop back and still get the best wide receiver on the board. Yep. In Jamar Chase and pick up the extra pick. So uh, they may I'm not, not like sure they do here. take Chase. Okay. Why not? I changed I changed my mind. I I think they may take Jalen Waddle. Interesting. Okay. Why Dennis had Kyle 
Dennis had Kyle Pitts, which if we have him gone to Cincinnati, that's that's out. I think that they weren't sold on Chase being the guy they wanted, and that's why they were more willing to drop back. I thought you made some good points that Waddle might fit to his play style better and is a guy he's more familiar with. Um, it could end up being kind of like last year where we all thought C.D. Lamb was the best receiver, but Jerry Judy ended up being the first one to go. I mean, I won't disagree with you. There's a lot of people who say that are saying that they think Waddle could be the first wide receiver taken. I would go chase here, but we'll go Waddle. I've I've got no real issue with it. I I don't love it, but I did say that I thought he'd be the better fit in the offense with Tua than Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase. So we'll, we will put Waddle here. That puts Miami. I agree. Uh, Chase is wide receiver one. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. He he is wide receiver one, but that doesn't mean that NFL teams view him as wide receiver one. So uh, Waddle with his speed and the way that he can be used all over the offense, I think intrigues offensive coordinators. So that puts Detroit on the clock here. Uh, wide receiver, cor- cornerback, offensive tackle, and QB. So this is what makes things interesting for me. I see that you guys have Jamar Chase. I actually think this would be a great spot for Trey Lance. Trey Lance. He's from the area. They need a quarterback. I think if Trey Lance is there, that's who they take. You know, when I was putting suggestions going down, I obviously picked Lance to go up higher. Um, Dennis, Dennis didn't have Lance going higher. Dennis, who is our resident Detroit fan, thinks Lance ends up going. Going to so, Carolina. Well, that's what's interesting. I think he would be, but wouldn't that just, I mean, I could see Chase Pitts, that, I, that's their biggest need, right, is wide receiver. So it's just a question of, because what's Goff's it's such contract? A deep, it's such a deep class, and I don't think they think Goff is the long-term guy. If, if you know, Dennis has talked a lot. The reason they gave Dan Campbell six years is they see this as a long process. I think. I think it's. I think they do. They take a Trey Lance because you're talking about to a guy that you're not. Yeah. So I would kind of agree with you okay. there, based on the way the board's falling. Uh, yes, they did. Miami did get four um, PJ, one year, but low money. One year in Waddle does not play the same role. Waddle is like a. He's all around in the slot. He can go deep. He's not just a, a deep wide receiver like four. He's a guy you can literally use in the in the backfield as well. It's like a running or back out of the backfield. Is he uh, is he making that suggestion? Because then it would make sense that Waddle would be a guy they're targeting instead of the yeah. bigger receiver. Oh, yeah, and that so, Lance to the Lions. I mean, again, that once once we made the moves, I was like, oh wow, Lance is gonna fall right to the Lions. And and I think that's perfect because I don't know when they can dump golf, but again. You have a, you have an incumbent starter to allow Lance time to learn the NFL offense and, and get up to speed because he did have to sit for the year. So then, then things become interesting because Carolina needs a quarterback badly. They need offensive tackle as well. So is it is it Mac Jones for Mac Jones? I think they take Slater. Okay, yeah, I, I know would... that they don't love Bridgewater, but you know we've talked about it as. For other teams that didn't get that quarterback next year, it's still a very good quarterback class as well. You can build your – I always think you should build your team from the inside out if you don't believe Mac Jones is the quarterback of the future, which I don't think he, they would think that because I feel like he's very much like a Teddy Bridgewater, a little less athletic than Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's better all-around mental and throwing-wise. So I think that they would take 
slider here. Yep. Yeah. I think that I think that makes sense. I when I was going down, I had Mac Jones available there and still just I don't think Carolina does that. Do they look into trying to get one of the veterans that may be available in trade, you know, do they make a, a move for Sam Darnold and see if they if they can make something happen? Do they wait and ride Bridgewater out one more year? I agree that they don't love Bridgewater and they don't see him long term. I just don't I don't think that's yeah. what they go. It's possible, PJ, that they take Slater and then trade for Sam. All the rumors are is that most teams are, are willing to offer a third, and it seems like the rumor was the Jets are willing to take a third. So maybe, maybe you get a Sam Darnold. I don't, I don't think that'd be a bad move at all. So that puts your Denver Broncos on the clock. Uh, oh, obviously, their biggest needs we've talked about before: linebacker, offensive tackle, and quarterback. Mac Jones is on the board. I know you're not a big fan. What do you think the Broncos do here? I still think they take Micah Parsons. Parsons, and I—I I mean, I wouldn't hate it. He's—he is an absolute beast. Why can't I find him on my sheet? There we go, Micah Parsons. All right. So that wow. So the the fall of Jamar Chase a little bit surprising here. So that puts Dallas on the board, who would clearly in the past take Jamar Chase. But let's just pretend like Jerry Jones isn't. Please going God. to be stupid and being like, oh, well, you know, it's just the way the draft fell with CeeDee Lamb, right? So their biggest need is cornerback. We had, I think, Sertain going to them last yep. time, right? He's still yeah. on the board. I don't see why we should change off that. Yep. Keep keep Sertain there. So I think you want to just go, because we, we are running long here, and I want to talk Falcon Winter Soldier, do the top 12, and then we'll I will yeah. add the extra picks on Thursday show. Okay. Yeah, then Dennis can come in and talk about how we did it wrong. Yeah, so I got Sertan there to the Cowboys, which brings us up to the Giants. Edge at tight end and linebacker here. And a lot of uh, reports have come out this week that they're targeting taking an edge rusher. So I, because I know Dennis had thought that they might take a tackle, and that's where we had gone in the initial one. I had thought that edge seemed like the most logical. It seems like he's. Um, guessing that they're going to go edge there too. That seems to be the report now is that they're looking for a pass rusher. Well, so I have to be the tiebreaker here between, because I actually don't think that they would go Russo or Pay, who are the two that you guys have. I think that they would go Aziz out of Georgia. Hmm. Uh, I, I do like Horn better. PJ, but after what Sertain did at his pro day, I think he's going to move back up as the top cornerback. I think Jace Horn is the best. He's my number one. It's Horn, Sertan, and then uh, Fairley for me. Um, but Cowboys don't always make the the, the best decisions. So I don't think Sertain is bad. I shouldn't say that. I just I think Horn is better. I, I do agree with you. I think Horn is better. So, so you think they're taking an outside linebacker? Yeah, they don't because play, he can be – go ahead. They don't play 3-4, right? No, I, they were I don't four, think so. I thought they were 4-3. I just think with the way he was used at Georgia, he can be an edge rusher. But, I mean, I think he's he's one of the best of that group. But if we want to go payer – who is the other one you guys have? Russo? I have Russo, yeah. Let me see here. Uh, so pay. I think I'd probably go pay then. 
He's ranked yep. higher by a lot of other players or a lot of other places. I don't do the defense that much, so we will well, go pay. D- Dennis has Michigan. more IDP experience, so we'll, so we'll give it to him. All right, so then let's go pay here from Michigan to the Giants. The last pick for today, I think, falls perfectly. It's got to be Jamar Chase for the right. Eagles. Yeah, wide receiver tied in. Pitts is gone. They're not, I don't think, taking Mac Jones. Quarterback is probably their next best need. So, Jamar Chase, it is at 12. So, I'll recap this, and then we will talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, if you guys have not seen the newest episode, episode two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, thank you guys so much for tuning in. You guys can cut it here. If you just listen to the draft, you know who we just took. So, no point in listening to recap. I'm just recapping the uh, cause, or I guess, eat up a little bit of time so you guys have time to turn it off. Trevor Lawrence of Clemson to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU to the Jets. Justin Fields, quarterback of The Ohio State University to San Francisco. Penny Sewell out of Oregon, the offensive tackle to the Falcons. Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida to Cincinnati. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver out of Alabama to Miami. Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State to the Lions. Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, Northwestern to the Panthers. Mike Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State to Denver. Patrick Sertain, the second cornerback out of Alabama to the Dallas Cowboys. Quitty Pay, the edge rusher out of Michigan to the New York Giants. And Jamar Chase, wide receiver LSU to the Philadelphia Eagles. So those Works out are perfectly for the Eagles. It does. It worked out perfectly for them and Miami, really, when you look at it. It's like, wow, both those guys traded back, and they traded, and and it works out for both of them. So let's talk Cap and – Cap, because Cap was a major part of this episode. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Obviously, we got the teaser at the end of the first episode, a new Captain America premiered, and we got to see a lot of him, a little bit of his backstory here, a little bit of, of thought on that. And and what was your thoughts on seeing the new Captain America? I thought they were going to try and make him out to be a bad guy, but I I actually kind of felt for the dude a little bit. They did a very good job, at least in my opinion, of making him a likable person. I'm going to say, uh, so you and I probably differ there. Uh, I loathe the character. Um, I, about 10 minutes into the episode, was hoping that at some point he gets killed horribly. The character, not the actor. (laughs) Nothing against the actor. It actually damaged my enjoyment of the show. Really? Why? I I thought it was a horrible turn. I think it's a horrible turn of events. I don't care about that dipshit. Uh, I did not care for the way he came in and his interactions. I'm not convinced he doesn't end up being an unintentional bad guy. I, um, that part, yes. I, you know, did not care, did not care for him, did not care for that big festival. It, and this is coming from somebody who actually d- doesn't really like Captain America in the MCU mm-hmm. in general. <laughs> you know, especially when they, whenever they did, you know, Iron Man or Captain America. That's not a choice for me. So I I did not have any love for Steve Rogers, but I was, I guess, a little bit like Bucky in the show, completely rankled by seeing him, completely rankled by his character. Um, We actually, we ended up having an appointment we had to go to, but my wife wanted to stop watching it in the middle. I had no qualms stopping the episode and we came back to it a day and a half later. 
I thought it was a really good episode, man. I, I, we are going to disagree on this. So the reason I liked the portrayal of Captain America by, I don't remember the new guy's name, but. It's Kate Hudson's brother. That's all I can remember. Um, is it's Kurt, because, Kurt uh, Russell's, uh, Wyatt Russell. Oh, I mean, like in the in the TV show. I don't know. I'm not. Oh, not yeah, real I don't name. yeah. I don't remember his name in the show. Um, the reason I liked it is because of exactly what you just said. They've set him up to fail from the beginning, in my opinion, because we care about Falcon and, and Bucky. And they do not like this. And it's understandable, right? Steve Rogers was, uh, you could call him a brother to both of those guys with the way, obviously, what Bucky went with him and everything back when they were young through World War II. And then throughout the Captain America movies with him and Sam, what they had to go through, the way they fought together, became you know technically outlaws together at one point, multiple times, actually, after what happened with Hydra and then after what happened with uh, the Civil War. So I understood them not liking it. But I felt like the the actor handled it in a good way and, and the show handled it in a good way. This guy not necessarily wanting to be in this role, but at the same time, it's one of those things where if, if that were real and they came to you and like, hey, we want you to be the new Captain America, that's probably something that's hard to turn down because yeah. as they mentioned it, that's what the world needs. They need a new symbol. So I agree with you that it's not great for – them for Bucky and for Sam, but I think it's a very interesting story to weave in here to show you how much really Captain America meant to them, and that's the way that I viewed it. Was they're not? They even tried to work with him a little bit, and we saw toward the end, and that's where I agree with you that I think he's going to unintentionally become a bad guy. Which he's like, then stay out of my way. I think that's where him and I don't know the other guy's name, Battlestar. Right? Yeah. Is that it? He was less enjoyable, but yes, yes, I agree Star with you on that just- part. Uh, I think that they are going to, in a way, kind of become, and I think that's why they're going to eventually go away. Like, that's where Captain America is not going to be. It's not going to be him anymore. And Sam's going to take the shield. Yeah, for whatever happens. But I do feel for the character in the show because I feel like he doesn't necessarily want to do it, but he's doing it. He's trying to make the best of the situation, knowing that, hey, these two guys aren't going to like it, yet he still shows up, tries to help them out, tries to work with them multiple times in the episode, knowing, like, these guys aren't going to like me, but I'm trying to do my best here to, you know, be Captain America, give America something to look forward to. So that's the way I viewed it. Like, I don't love the situation either. I, I don't think they should have replaced him, but I think that's what makes it interesting because they they add that little wrinkle into the show. And knowing that all the fans of Captain America are going to hate it because everybody loves Chris Evans, like – I saw. I don't know if you saw this interview. Um, I think it was Geek. I saw Geek Vibes Nation just put it out. I don't know if they were the one that did the interview, uh, where they were interviewing Chris Evans and they asked if he could play any other role in MCU. Who would it be? And he said it would have been Iron Man before RDJ came along because now he is Iron Man. Like he's like, there's nobody that can ever take that role, and I agree with him on that. I also kind of agree about him with Captain America, like with the way he's played the Steve Rogers role. I don't know if they can ever really replace Steve Rogers. I feel like he's handled that very well. So I think they knew in doing this, they were going to create a lot of hate and a lot of vitriol because nobody wanted to see Captain America replaced. But I think that's what makes the show so much better. So I didn't hate it from that aspect because I feel like that's what they want is for you to hate him. And I feel like, well, he handled it very well so far in the show. I agree that I think he's going to move and become some sort of villain that requires him to get the shield back and all that other stuff. 
I just felt like the way the second episode was crafted in particular, they were trying to give you backstory and make him a sympathetic character, and I'm not having it. Well, I did feel sympathetic for him, so it worked at least on my part because I, I agree. Like, I, that because they they're they need to do that because as I'm, everybody's going to hate him the, from the jump. As soon as we saw the end of episode one, everybody's like, "Fuck this guy! Who is this? Get this guy yeah. out of here!" So you want him to be a little bit sympathetic because. As I mentioned, I don't think he wanted to do it, but it was an opportunity. One of those things you can't pass up. So, uh, I, you know, from what we saw in back backstory and the you know the way the character talked, I do think he wanted to do it. I don't think it was like he woke up one day and said, "I'm going to be Captain America." But as soon as they were yeah. like, "Do you want to be Captain America?" I do think he's enjoying well, it. Yeah, and that's the a celebrity. Hard it's a hard thing. Like, if, if they came to me and like, Matt, do you want to be Captain America? I'd be like, no. Like, yeah, of course. Wear the Star Spangled Banner, throw a shield, beat up bad guys. I mean, it's hard to say no to that. That's my point. But he even has that exchange in the locker room where he's like, how did I get here? Like, he even, he's like, is this really right? And Battlestar tells him it's part of the job. So, like, that's the whole thing. Like, I do think he has some regrets. But, yeah, when you're going out on a stadium full of hundreds of thousands of people cheering you on as a new Captain America, it's probably hard not to get a little bit excited about that. Like, hey, they love me because you probably think people aren't going to love you because you're not Steve Rogers. So, I, I think it worked really well in the episode, in my opinion. I thought it was great. I love the second episode. We do get to see a lot more of Falcon and Bucky, though. And and you do get hints that they've been working together a little bit here in the past. And, and you get to see a lot more of the team up. The great little buddy cop stuff with them. I thought their interactions the whole episode were hilarious. was awesome. What we've been waiting for. What was your takeaways from that part of the, the episode? Yeah, I mean, I thought that's the part that worked uh, the best. You know, I, I think I had paused somewhere in the middle when we came back. Um, you know, it was him introducing Sam to the uh, to the guy who was a super soldier a long time ago and then when they end up in their in their therapy session together I thought that was a lot of fun and you know at the end when they set out on their own uh, having to solve things and it sets up a great uh, for next week that they're gonna have to go um, you know and try to reconnect with the villain from the war yeah yeah that that is definitely going to be interesting and I believe obviously, because I did see the one trailer where it showed him with his mask on. I'm wondering if he had, does not have a larger role later on. It's the reason why I hate seeing extra trailers, because I didn't want to know that part of it. But that being said... Could be a flashback, too. Could be, and that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping they show some flashback here in this episode, because I, like I said, I hate seeing things. I did not know much about WandaVision at all. I saw the one trailer. That was it. I refused to watch anything else, because I wanted to see it. Speaking of WandaVision, how so far... Just the first two episodes compare for you compared to WandaVision. I thought the first episode was good, but a touch slow. I really, I'm, I'm not kidding. The, the new Captain America and that it, it damaged my enjoyment. Um, I am not anticipating this one as much as I did WandaVision. Maybe it'll get there. It has time to, to grow and go back. Uh, but there was a, like a mystery, and I just think Paul Bettany and um, Elizabeth Olsen are probably a little bit better actors, uh, and the whole setup was a little bit more fun. This one feels a little bit somber uh, at times and uh, is a little bit of a bummer. Uh, 
um, at some points. Not to say WandaVision was all sunshine and rainbows. Right now, at this point in time, I like WandaVision better, but I think we'll have a probably a better picture when we go along through, especially if new Captain America dies horribly. He's not going to die horribly, but um, I don't disagree with you. I think the reason WandaVision probably had me a little bit more captured after two episodes is because I had no idea where it was going. I, I like the suspense yeah. that they built. You got a little bit of a teaser. I think was it at the se- end of the second episode where she walks out in the street and the dude's there in the yeah. thing. So you got well, an intrigue. Of, there was something going on. This is a more conventional kind of drama. Exactly. Setup. Yeah. It's more feels more like what we've seen in especially the Captain America movies. You know, like that Captain America, the Winter Soldier very much felt like a spy thriller. And this sort of feels like you're kind of going that same way. WandaVision had the unknown felt like something you'd never seen uh, in the MCU before. I mean, the first two episodes were largely in black and white. Um, so I don't know if you can compare them exactly this early on. If if Falcon and the Winter Soldier can develop that emotional resonance, I think that's what I will always remember about WandaVision is there was some emotional gut punches, some devastating moments, and just some really thrilling um, moments with the story. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier has time to go there. I would wager we're going to have some pretty tense and emotional moments with them facing off uh, against Zemo. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to get there because of the connection that those two have. Like I will say, well, I don't disagree with, with Bettany and Olsen being possibly better in actress and actor and actress. I think the chemistry though, that, that Sam and Bucky have is what makes this show go. I think going to be so much fun and, and moving forward is going to be a really good show. So I do think I agree with you on that. Zemo, I think is going to bring out some stuff in Bucky. That's going to cause him to rely on Sam a little bit more. And I think that's the other thing is we're going to see these two because they're both dealing with the same, I think stresses of, of everyday life, losing their friend, Steve Rogers will kind of grow into a bigger and better uh, companionship. So Two episodes in, I'm I'm a little bit happier with it, it seems like Matt is, but you know, there's we'll see what happens with episode three. Um it definitely seems like it's setting up to be and episode two is like forty minutes again too, right? Like it was longer. Yeah, it, it has been a little bit longer, yeah. Both of them have been a little bit longer. I'm wondering how long it's gonna be before we see a credit scene. Um because I imagine they'll work that into this too. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't wait. I, I've really enjoyed the first two episodes, and I'm I'm excited to see what happens with episode three. So that will do it for us today. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to go pick. What was that? Where were we at? Probably twelve, thirteen through like twenty somethings. So we got to catch back up. So, and yeah. we will talk about uh, running backs. Our rookie running backs uh, might not go too deep as we've got a special guest coming on next week to go over running backs or rookies all together. So we'll go in a little bit of depth there. But we will continue the mock draft. Any free agents or any other trades that happen, we'll discuss as well. Dennis will be with us on Thursday, so we will see you guys again on Thursday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a throw?